0: But it is good to be up here behind this pulpit with uh, people out there in the pews. Uh, whenever I was doing the recordings for their lessons on Titus and the lessons on Amos, the only people in here besides myself uh, were the folks back in the video and sound booth. Otherwise, everything was empty out here. And so I know that Kirby appreciates the fact that uh, we started up live worship services again and people were here for him to be able to see. It's a little more exciting for a preacher to be able to see the people to whom he is preaching rather than just looking at empty pews. Uh, I offered to bring in puppets and such as that to sit out here, and, and but uh, that did not go too well for him. But uh, continue to pray for them as they are in Florida coming back that they have a safe journey as they get back and know No problems with uh, testing. We're going to be looking today in John, the 21st chapter. We're going to start uh, reading in a moment in verse 15. But this is, according to John, in the 14th verse of this chapter, was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And uh, Jesus comes and confronts Peter and talks to him about following after him. So verse 15 of John 21. And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you that when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Now, this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumors spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die, but only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return to you. What is that to you? I read about a young man who was going for an interview for his first full-time job, and uh, the company that he went to interview at was a small company, and so the owner of the company did most of the interviewing for those that were working in the company. And so as the interview was going along, the owner and the young man, uh, the owner threw in a question that said, uh, well, young man said, uh, are you a good leader? The young man hesitated for a minute. He said, well, sir, I don't know if I'm a good leader, but I'm a great follower. And the owner thought about it and he said, you know what? He said, I've got a company full of people who think they're leaders. I could use one good follower. You're hired. That is what Jesus was asking Peter to do, was to follow him. Twice he said that. Verse 19, follow me. And then in verse 22, you must follow me. In fact, during Jesus' earthly ministry, as he went about talking to people and confronting people, he would often say, follow me. He went to fishermen and said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He went to Levi or Matthew the tax collector and said follow me and he left his tax collecting booth and followed after Jesus. He would often as he was talking to crowds say if anyone wants to be my disciple he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me again and again and again. Again, The request from Jesus Christ, the command from Jesus Christ was follow me. Me, not someone else, not something else, but follow me. It is the kind of call that Jesus has given to us, and many of us have answered that, to follow Jesus Christ. And I want to talk today about three aspects of following after Jesus Christ that we find here in these scriptures. And the first one is this, is that Jesus calls us to follow him regardless of our past. Regardless of our past, Peter had a past. Now, we know that sometimes Peter was the kind of person who spoke before he thought about what he was saying. None of us, of course, have ever done that. But you remember that he and the disciples were out in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. It was getting a little stormy and rough and Jesus came walking on the water. Peter looks out and says, uh, Lord, if that's you, uh, bid me come to you. Jesus says, come on in, the water's fine. Peter got out and was walking in the water, but then all of a sudden he saw the wind, the waves. He got afraid and began to sink because he forgot his excitement and his exuberance and only looked at those things that might harm him and hurt him. And then we know also that he was the one that pulled his sword out there in the garden of Gethsemane when the soldiers came uh, to take Jesus and he cut off the ear of Malchus, uh, the servant of the high priest. Then Jesus had to say, put your sword back. I could call 10,000 angels to take care of me if I wanted to. Don't get your sword out. But the real past that we know of that Peter had was when Jesus was speaking to the disciples there in that upper room and said that all of them would deny him. Peter said, Lord, everyone else might, but I will never deny you, and Jesus said, I tell you what, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And we know that's exactly what happened. When Peter got close to where Jesus was on trial, and people began to say, you must be one of him. I think I saw you with those disciples. Peter would say, no, 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 I don't know him. In fact, the last time he just said, I never knew him. And all of a sudden, the rooster crowed and Jesus walked by. And Peter saw it and remembered what he had said to Jesus and how he had totally failed that commitment. NOT TO DENY JESUS CHRIST, AND HE WEPT. PETER HAD A PAST. HE KNEW THAT PAST WAS THAT HE HAD NOT LIVED UP TO WHAT HE SAID HE WOULD BE. HE KNEW THAT HE HAD SINNED AGAINST HIS LORD, THE ONE THAT HE SAID WAS THE MESSIAH, THE ONE THAT HE SAID THAT HE WOULD FOLLOW. IN FACT, THE BIBLE SAYS THAT ALL OF US HAVE A PAST. THE BIBLE SAYS ALL HAVE SINNED AND COME SHORT OF THE GLORY OF GOD. Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. Every one of us has a past and we need a change in our lives and we need to be forgiven. One of the little stories I read a long time ago was about a preacher who was preaching on that fact that there's none perfect, no, not one. And he said to the congregation, he said, does anybody know anyone that's perfect? Nobody raised a hand except one man. One man raised his hand. And the preacher said, you know somebody that's perfect? Guy says, yeah, my wife's first husband. So we may know somebody like that who says something like that. But the fact of the matter is that none are perfect. We have a past. Some years ago, I read a story by Matt Chamberlain. Matt Chamberlain is a Southern Baptist pastor in Texas. Uh, he met the Lord while he was in college, went to work in churches as youth director. While he was in a youth director in one of those churches, he invited a young lady who was not a Christian to come to a Christian music concert and then afterwards there was going to be a preacher preaching. Matt said the young lady named Kim went along, said the music went fine, said but then the preacher got up to preach and he said all of a sudden it was like a train wreck happened. All of a sudden, the preacher started quoting various statistics about sexually transmitted diseases, and he started saying, you don't want gonorrhea, you don't want syphilis, do you? And that seemed to be the thrust of his message. You don't want to get any kind of sexually transmitted diseases. And he said the centerpiece of his sermon was when he took a beautiful rose off the pulpit behind which he was preaching and he held it up, and it was just a beautiful rose, red, lovely, and he took a big sniff of it and he said, this is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. I want the rest of you to enjoy this. And he threw it out into the crowd and said, pass this around, let everybody smell it and touch it and feel it. And he went on preaching his sermon about this and that and the other related to sexual sin. And then finally he said, where's that rose I gave you all? Well, the rose came back up. The preacher reached down and took the rose and it was wilted, brokenly, uh, petals gone from it. And it did not look very nice at that time. And then the preacher looked out holding up that wilted rose and said, you don't want to be a dirty rose, do you? Well, Matt said, took Kim home after that. She didn't call me, didn't talk to me. I didn't see her for weeks. And then finally her mother called me up, said she'd been in an automobile accident. She was in the hospital. Would I go see her? Matt said, you bet. Matt went to the hospital to see Kim, went in, They just started having a conversation about this, that, and the other. But then in the middle of the conversation, Kim looked at Matt and said, Matt, do you think I'm a dirty rose? Matt said, my heart almost broke. But he said, it gave me the opportunity to talk to her about the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ who wants all the dirty roses to come to him because he will take them and he will cleanse them and renew them and make them new again. Remember that old uh, Gaither song, something beautiful, something beautiful. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful out of my life. And that's what Jesus Christ does. Peter knew he had sinned, but Jesus was saying as he was calling him to come, follow me. He says, Peter, I don't care about that. I don't care what your past is. I wipe away the past and give new life. Jesus calls us to follow him no matter what may be in our past. Over in John 6:37, Jesus says, He who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. That's his promise to us. second thing I know about the call to follow Jesus Christ is that Jesus calls us to follow him regardless of the cost. Regardless of the cost. Now I want you to notice that Jesus was always very honest with people when he said, If you want to be my disciples, deny yourself. Take up your cross. That's suffering and follow me. Jesus never made it easy to become a follower as he is. And he doesn't do that with Peter. In verse 18, we read there, Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, went where you wanted, but when you're old, you'll stretch out your hand. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And then John makes this note. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, Follow me," Jesus said, Peter, here's what's going to happen to you. Now tradition tells us that when Peter died, he died crucified upside down on a cross because he was not willing to be crucified in the very same manner as his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He did not think himself worthy of that and so tradition tells us he asked to be crucified upside down. He paid the price. I remember when I felt God's call on my life to uh, be a preacher, to be a pastor. You find out there's all kinds of things involved in that, but, but the evening after I made that commitment at our church in Shawnee, Oklahoma, Judy and I were students at Oklahoma Baptist University, I called my parents. Now, my stepfather was a pastor himself, but I called him to tell them what I had done, the decision I had made. My mother told me later that when they hang up the phone, my stepfather said, Oh my goodness, he doesn't know all the fine print that's involved in this. I thought that was kind of interesting. But the truth of the matter is when we give our lives to follow after Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there's some fine print. And the fine print is that there are things that we will need to give up if we are to be good followers of Jesus Christ, that we cannot always stay the same. In fact, that's why we gave our lives to Christ. We didn't like the way that we were. We wanted to be different and Christ promised us not just eternal life but abundant life here and now, a different kind of life. But when we decide to live for Christ, there are some prices we pay. I remember uh, when I was going to college in Southern California, I transferred from Oklahoma Baptist to Southern California. Oklahoma Baptist was a private Baptist school. It cost a little more money to go there. And down in Southern California, where I went to college, it cost, I think, uh, $69 or $89 a semester plus books. That's a pretty cheap education. And uh, so uh, that saved my uh, folks quite a bit of money in sending me to college. But uh, I was working at a screening factory. We made aluminum uh, frames and aluminum window screens and patio door frames, aluminum door frames and I was working there uh, part-time, going to school, Trudy was teaching, and uh, I remember I did piecework. Now, piecework, the more pieces you can put together, the more money you can make. And so I remember one time they called, it was break time, and of course in a union shop, everybody was supposed to take a break every two hours, and, and uh, man, I just kept on going. <laughs> My foreman came over here, Scott, it's break time. I know, I'm not tired, and I just want to keep going. Uh, And uh, he says, Scott, it's break time. I said, well, I know that. He says, "Uh, the union demands that we take a break every 15 minutes. I said, I'm not a union member. He says, Scott, it's break time. You'll take a break right now. Okay. So I walked over where the other guys were and they had been talking and I walked over and all of a sudden they quit talking. They just stopped. I said, what's wrong? What did you guys stop talking for? And they said, well, you're a preacher boy and the kinds of things we were talking about we don't think you probably want to hear. At first, I was kind of frustrated at that. They would stop talking when I came over. But later, I realized it was a compliment. Really, they were saying, we know who you are, we know what you're planning to do, and we know you're a Christian, and what we're talking about is not exactly something Christians want to hear. And I thought, I just got a compliment. But the thing of it is, there are some costs that we pay because some people, when you finally give your life to Jesus Christ, say, I'm sorry. I don't want any more to do with you because I don't believe that and I'm not going to put up with someone like you around trying to convert me. There are prices to be paid. And sometimes it's little things, but little things turn into big things. In a book entitled uh, God's Man of Influence, Jim George, who's the author of the book, told about the fact uh, that it was the middle of the winter, wherever he lived, he, it was 30 degrees, and he said, I had a large boat trailer that I wanted to sell. And he said, I decided to put the thing up for sale in the middle of the winter. Now, he said, people weren't boating in the middle of the winter, but I needed to get rid of it, so put an ad in the paper about boat trailer for sale. He said, a few days later, I got a call on the phone. The guy said, I'm interested in that boat trailer you have for sale. And so uh, Jim said, Well, here's the price. And the guy said, I'm willing to pay full price for it. He says, There's just one thing I want you to do uh, when the sale's all completed. I said, What? And so Jim said, Well, what's that? He said, I want you, when you write out the bill of sale and receipt, I want you to put down half of what your asking price is on that bill of sale. He said, He said, that way, I won't have to pay as much sales tax on it. And this was apparently a fairly large boat trailer that cost a good amount of money. It wasn't for fishing boats, it was more like for yachts. And uh, Jim said, all of a sudden, I had a little struggle with myself. The struggle was this. He said, what he's asking me to do is illegal. Plus, it's a lie, but if I don't sell it to him, I might not get another call here in the dead of winter trying to sell a boat trailer. But Jim said, finally I told the guy, I said, look, I cannot do what you're asking. I'm a Christian. What you're asking me to do is lie and you're asking me to do something that's illegal. I cannot do that. The guy said, I'll go ahead and buy it and you can write out the receipt for the full amount. But he had that struggle. And we think, well, that's just a silly little thing, preacher. Is it? We sell our integrity bit by bit by bit. See, when we are called to follow Jesus, there is a cost to following Jesus. And he lets us know that we expect, that we are expected to be what he asks us to be day by day by day by day. Not every once in a while. Follow me means to follow me regardless of the cost. And the third thing I think about when I think about this passage is that Jesus calls us to follow him regardless of what others may do. Don't you like that in verse 20? If you still got your Bible open or you remember what we were reading. But uh, when Jesus once again said, follow me, in verse 19, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. And, and so when Peter saw him, he said, well, Lord, what about him? I think things were getting hot for Peter. He was beginning to get uncomfortable because he knew, he knew that Jesus was digging deep. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Then follow me. If you love him, we." follow him and now Peter, oh my so he turns sees John but what about him? see sometimes we like to say what about those what about those other people? Lord I'm doing so much in church and I do this and I do that and I do the other and there are people in the church that aren't doing anything. what about them? And it's like we need to hear the voice of Jesus what is that to you? If I want to do this with them or that with them, what is that to you? You must follow me. It's always the commitment for us not to look at others, but for us to say, Jesus, regardless of what others do, I will follow you. Jonathan Edwards, one of the great preachers of another century, uh, kept a diary in which he would record his thoughts. And on one page of his diary, he hadn't written down these words. He said, Resolved first, that every man ought to obey Christ without hesitation or reservation. And then he wrote down, Resolved second, whether anybody else does it or not, I will. So help me, God. In other words, Lord, I'm resolved to follow you if nobody else does. That's my commitment. That's the commitment that we are asked to make when we follow Christ. I don't want you looking around to see what others are doing. I don't want you to sit around trying to see who's doing this and who's doing that. What I want you to do is focus your eyes on me and hear me calling you and listen to my voice and when I give you a direction, go that direction When I give you command, keep that command. When I lay somebody on your heart, give them a call. Give a witness to them. When somebody asks you, will you serve in the church, don't say no immediately. Pray about it. And then, listen for my voice. And then, follow me according to what I say. Regardless of what others do, Jesus calls us to follow him. Some years ago, I read this story about Andrew Young. Andrew Young had been mayor of Atlanta. He was a congressman from Georgia, the first African-American to do that. He was ambassador to the UN for President Jimmy Carter. But he said one time while his daughter was in college, she came home from college and she said, Dad, I'm going to Uganda. And uh, Andrew Young said, his daughter says, what are you going there for? Says, well, they need my help over there. Andrew Young says, Well, there are people who need your help over here. And she says, Yeah, but we've got so many agencies that can help people over here, and they don't have those agencies over there. They need me over there. I, I'm going to Uganda. And he said, he said, you could die over there. That's and that's so far away. He said, no tell her what could happen to you. And she said, Dad, I'm going to Uganda. I believe that's where I need to go for the Lord. Well, Andrew said, we got her passport all ready. Went to the airport, said, I put her on the plane, and she flew off. He said, as I was walking back through the airport, he said, I had this thought. He said, I always wanted my daughter to be a respectful Christian, but I never wanted her to be a real Christian. See, Christ calls us to be real Christians, not respectful. We can come to church and put on our... Sunday go to meeting close if we've got Sunday meeting to close if if we don't doesn't matter but we can come to church sing the songs and go home and then the rest of the week Jesus almost doesn't even matter to us but we are called to be real Christians always asking Jesus what would you have me to do how would you have me to live and when Jesus tells us an answer then we say Yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. Now, many people in here today, you've always already answered the call to follow after Jesus Christ. Sometimes we need to ask ourselves, Lord, how am I doing in following? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never answered the call of Christ on your life to follow him as your Lord, your Master, and your savior? And that's an important question to ask yourself. Lord, am I willing to give my life to you? And in a little bit, we're going to have a hymn of commitment. And this morning, if you're willing to say, yes, Lord, I give my life to you to make you my master, my leader, my boss, I will follow you wherever you take me. We invite you to come make that commitment public maybe you're here today you're not a member of this church but you've been coming and visiting and you've decided this is the church where you'd like to plant your life while you live here we would invite you to come and we'll be glad to share with you how to be a part of first baptist church of sun city west let's bow together in prayer as we continue our heavenly father we thank you for your son christ who went to a cross and died for us that our pasts could be all wiped away, and our lives could be cleansed and made new in your sight. And Father, we pray that when we hear your son's voice calling us, follow me, that we will say, yes, Lord. In whatever area he calls us, we'll say, yes, Lord. And we'll do what he asks. Lord, if there's one here today that is listening to your voice, and they hear you saying, follow me, to make, today may they make that decision to follow and trust you as Savior, Lord. We ask that in Christ's name. Amen. In a moment as we stand to sing, I invite you, if you have a decision to make for Christ, simply come forward. We'll be glad to let you share that with us. Let's stand together as we sing.
1: I have to decided I to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, I still will. I still will follow, though none go with me, I still will follow, no turning back, no turning back. Just remain standing for a couple of reminders. Next Sunday we will be electing four new deacons. Their pictures are there on the screen. Pat Sintner, Tom Lachine, Chuck Mitchell, and Gail Coffey. During this next week, I pray that you would ask God to direct you in your choices. But these are the four who have agreed to allow their names to move forward in that election process. Reminder deacons that on Thursday at eight o'clock in the CLC, there will be a deacon council meeting with a continental breakfast included. And then the leadership team will meet afterwards at 10 o'clock on Thursday. I encourage you to wait in place after we have the closing prayer by Bob Vogt. Wait in place for the ushers to come and usher you out row by row. Let's give a thanks to Bob Vogt, who is our usher chairperson, and he has enlisted those who help us find seating as well as help us exit very safely each week. Thank you, Bob, for what you do. We appreciate it. Thank you.
2: Father, we just thank you for all the blessings you've given us. We thank you for what you've done for us. And we thank you that we have the freedom to worship here, the freedom that is not available to the entire world. And Father, I just pray for those that have the virus. Uh, Many of you know that, that Jim and Debbie Crump have the virus. Jim is still in the hospital, and I just pray for both of them. And Father, we just, We pray for our country. There's so many things going on. And the pastor just reminded us that we need to pray for our leaders, whether we agree with them or not, we need to pray with them. And Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you sent your son to come down and die on the cross for our sins. And Father, we just, we know that every time we call on your word, on your name, that you will be there. And your word tells us that you will answer every prayer, but you will be using your own schedule. And Father, I just pray now that as we go, that you watch over us, protect us, bring us back again next week. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.